Welcome to Season 1, Episode 15 of Dog-Eared Nightmares. I am LP Hernandez. My guest on today's episode is Emmett Nahil. We preview his forthcoming book, From the Belly, coming out through Tenebris Press, May 2024. We also talk about Emmett's relationship to horror, movies, and books. We talk about the prevalence of whales in horror as of late. Um, we talk about Emmett's writing process, going from writing short stories to writing longer works. And then we also talk about the relationship between writing comics and writing prose. Thank you so much for joining me on this preview episode of Dog-Eared Nightmares. My next guest is Emmett Nahil, and we're going to discuss his upcoming novel, From the Belly. Hailing from a haunted seaside town in northeastern Massachusetts, Emmett Nahil is the author of Let Me Out and a writer of horror and speculative fiction centering marginalized perspectives. His debut novel, From the Belly, Tenebris Press, releases May 2024. His writing has been featured in The Book of Queer Saints, Volume 2, Laura Kate Dale's Gender Euphoria Anthology, and elsewhere. Favoring the historic, the strange, and the gory, in his other life, Emmett makes video games as narrative director and co-founder of Perfect Garbage Studios. He can be found most places online as at underscore E-M-N-A-Y-S. Thank you and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Um, I I can't wait to talk about the the upcoming book with Tenebris. Those are are wonderful, wonderful people over there. They they mm. only take quality work, so I'm sure this thing is going to um, blow everybody away when it comes out. Um, but just for a little bit of background, what is your relationship to horror? Where does horror fit into the story of your life? Um, so I wasn't like a perma horror fan, really. Like my family is not into scary stuff at all, really. I wasn't I wasn't uh, lucky enough to have like parents who are super into <laughs> scary movies or anything like that. Um, but I kind of arrived to horror fiction and horror movies in general, um, sort of in my like late teens, early 20s. Um, I was uh, always interested in horror in general. And then I sort of fell into it when I started writing a lot of fantasy and science fiction mm. and people kept telling me that it was too scary. <laughs> mm. So it was a bit of a, a, a backwards like slip slide into into writing in the genre, I feel. But it's uh it's been a really fruitful one for me personally and i i feel like my writing mostly belongs in horror no matter no matter where i end up no matter where i go that's sort of where i end up i guess <laughs> um were there any foundational movies or books that that kind of got you started yeah i i when i was very well not very young like early teens I uh stuck in to see the first insidious movie okay. when it was in the in theaters um and that was my my first sort of horror like solo horror movie experience really um but then in terms of books I also read like a lot of people I read uh, Stephen King too young so I read mm. uh, misery was my first and is still my favorite King book um and you know growing up in New England and in sort of 
the area of the country where I'm from, like Lovecraft and Poe is sort of mm. always on the table in a more like traditional sense. Sure. So I, I gravitate to sort of both the weird and the gothic at the same time. Um, so it's sort of a, a melange of a bunch of different things. <laughs> and Sidious is a, a great one, kind of, if that was somewhat your introduction, because it's it's PG-13, but for PG-13, it really packs in the scares. Like, yeah. um, I think that's the one with the the face behind uh, Patrick Wilson's character, which is that is one of the best jump scares. And then the uh, little ghost dancing to tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with the the jump scares in that movie. I think they're mm. so well executed. It's truly awesome. We like it. It's relatively safe for the kids. Like uh, nightmare inducing, yes, but it's nothing that's gonna like make them fear like an intruder or something like i can't wait till the, <laughs> they're old enough to watch the strangers or something like that but oh, yeah. um, that's down the road okay so um love of horror early mid-teens when did that evolve into writing horror you kind of touched on your fantasy and your your sci-fi might have had some horror elements did you make a hard pivot at a certain point yes and no um because for a long time in my sort of like in my mind, uh, I was going to become an art historian, an archaeologist. Mm. I went to school for um, art history and archaeology. And so I thought that was going to be my path for a while, for a long time. Um, but I always enjoyed writing and I always wrote sort of on the side. I did like NaNoWriMo. I still do mm. it sometimes for fun. Um, and so when I actually started writing, I think I at the time I was reading a lot more fantasy. So that's sort of what I defaulted to. Um but as I went on, I felt myself drawn to caging things in a more, I guess, like in a way that could uh, like encompass more, like more violence, more gore, mm. more things that drew me into like horror film. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of, I kind of slid into, into writing horror that way. It wasn't a really pointed decision um, on my part, as much as I wish it would be, because like feel like I could have gotten further faster, mm. but still, you know, what happens, happens. Do you remember any details from your first, I'm guessing you started with short stories, your first horror short stories? Yeah, I started, I started with fantasy short stories, but my first horror thing that I wrote period was a flash fiction piece that I believe is still online somewhere. Um, it's called When the Man Comes Around. It's sort of Johnny Cash inspired okay. <laughs> ghost story uh, about a guy in a hospital who's sort of visited by the ghost of Johnny Cash in the afterlife. Um, yeah, it's. I then promptly moved into uh, books and comics in the horror vein as well from okay. there. I think I, I kind of, obviously a lot of them are trunked currently, but I didn't waste a lot of time jumping into longer form stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so um, the book we're going to talk about from the belly, that is your debut as far as a novel length work. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I can't wait to talk about the process, the shift from um, short stories to novel length. Uh, I have several novel length um, failures in my uh, computer. Um, so just be interested to see how you made that transition. But um, for the actual book itself from the belly, it sounds super interesting, but I would like for you to go ahead and kind of just chat us through it. Give us your elevator pitch. It's a long elevator, right? So take as much time as you need. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. It's, so From the Belly is sort of a uh, 
dark fantasy inspired horror um, in a world somewhat like our own. Um, uh, the, a man named Isaiah Chase is a whaler on board a uh, very haunted whale ship. And when they pull up a man who's been sort of interred inside the the stomach in the belly of a whale uh and he turns out to still be alive um it follows their burgeoning relationship as well as the chaos that the man brings onto the boat itself uh, yeah that's my pitch <laughs> so many questions from that pitch um and i guess it's it's a fortuitous timing because uh, whales being in the the horror i guess zeitgeist with whale fall coming coming out um mm -hmm. Did you, I know as you spoke about um, horror, it feels like as an umbrella, it encompasses more and more territory, like um, the community is expanding and what we we consider to be horror grows. Did you have a specific audience in mind when you wrote this? Were you writing for, I mean, that sounds like there's a, there's a ghost element. There's probably some, some gore elements. It's seafaring. Did you have an audience in mind when you sat down to write this? Honestly, as much as I want to be the kind of writer who's really mercenary about sorting out audiences before when I go into writing a book, I really, I think about what I want to read that I haven't mm -hmm. read yet. Um, and I, again, as I mentioned, I used to be uh, in art history and museums, and so I've always been really interested in nautical history. I read this wonderful, wonderful nonfiction book called um, Leviathan by an uh, author named Eric J. Dolan, who's local okay. to my area. And I went through all these uh, really, really amazing uh, true stories and histories, but also myths and lore associated with whaling mm. um, and with those communities, specifically in like the Northeast of the US. Um, and so just reading all those nonfictional stories, I was like, Damn, that would be really, that'd be really cool. Uh, if there's a horror book that was, you know, queer, that was, you know, set in this in this sort of like space, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I was thinking about what kind of book that would be. And as I went along, I, I'm interested also in, you know, like queer romance and mm -hmm. you know, body horror and all those things, <laughs> kind of throwing in those elements too. It, it it was really just building to what I would want, which is selfish. But when I feel like you're mm -hmm. writing a whole novel, you have to be a little bit selfish or else you're not going to make it through <laughs> the 300 or so pages that you have to write, you know? <laughs> and as far as a uh, time, uh, is this uh, in a modern setting or is this more historical? It's, uh, it's definitely historical. Yeah. So it's inspired by sort of like the mid to late 1800s. Okay. Um, nothing too specific. <laughs> okay. And, and it feels like, there's there's a bit of a moment right now in horror with some of these adventure. I'm thinking like Ali Wilkes that having that kind of uh, queer romance um, undertone. I don't know if yours is more explicit or or if it's something that's kind of hidden. Um, it just it's it's interesting that these adventure type horror stories with the the queer um, element to it are becoming um, more pop. I wouldn't say popular, but. Um, I, it's nothing I would ever have seen in a, in a bookstore 10 years ago. And now, um, with, with authors like you and Ali, it seems like, um, they're having a moment. So that's awesome. And, um, your the way you described your book, it feels like there's a lot of different threads or elements that we could kind of isolate and talk about. And oftentimes when you're trying to sell a book to a publisher, you have comps 
So I'm curious with all of these potential threads and all these potential elements, did you have comps in mind when you were pitching this? Um, so not, not, nothing quite so pointed as like X meets Y. Mm. Um, but I did, uh, I was really inspired by John Langan's The Fisherman as well okay. in terms of sort of like nautical horror with sort of like a slightly cosmic bent. That was a big inspiration for me. Um, yeah, I really didn't, I wasn't thinking too specifically about comps. I I was lucky enough to just basically send in the manuscript and mm -hmm. I went from there with Tenebris. So I, I luckily never really had to find comps with that that's a great question i'll have to come up with that when trying to describe it to people later on sure, sure. It, it's yeah. tough because you, you don't want to be dishonest um and and you know that obviously there's a a whale element and <clears throat> whale fall is huge right now so it'd be easy mm -hmm. to just oh it's whale fall plus whatever um but yeah i was just curious because uh it, it seemed like there were there were so many potential comparisons that could be made, but I guess it, it matters to how prevalent those are in the story. Mm -hmm. um, and as you spoke about, and I've, I've mentioned several times now, whales are um, a, a central to the plot. Um, and in fiction, they're often used as metaphorical devices. Is that a construct that you leaned into? Mm. Yeah, I think that like, and uh Based on what you're saying, I've read Will Fault's an amazing book. I love that book so much. Um, I don't know what it is right now about why whales are like in the consciousness right now, but I mm -hmm. feel like nautical horror is having a little bit of a moment. Mm -hmm. um, an adventure horror, like you said before, totally. Uh, I think that there's something about the idea of an animal, and this goes back to like Moby Dick and before, sure. for, uh, an animal that's so vast as to be like incomprehensible that can represent to humans like the vastness of the sea itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think that that's the most potent allegory in terms of like what whales stand for. I was, I had that in the back of my mind because I did, I did definitely read Moby Dick when I was younger, like in, in school at a point, you know, like, but I wasn't trying to necessarily force the actual animal itself into like a, a metaphorical space because a lot of the, a lot of what my interest circles around isn't necessarily like the animal itself, mm -hmm. but the idea of whaling and like the action of like going into the sea to try and like conquer or mm -hmm. to extract in a very like capitalist way. Um, I think that the action and the capitalism at all is like what I was trying to pick at a little bit more. Um, there are very few whales in the, in the book besides like the, the central initial one. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, interesting how um these cycles kind of happen in literature where mm. you know there's there's kind of the the stuff you would expect that that has its its moments of influence like i feel vampires are starting to bubble again and uh you know zombies kind of have had their time in the sun um and then whales now um it's just you know um who would have thought a couple years ago <laughs> all right super interested in this um because you started off short stories, fantasies, um, and this is your first novel. Can you talk about your writing process, uh, say, 
evolving out of the short story landscape into a longer work. Um, how much plotting was involved. I'm guessing there was a lot of research, at least to get some of the nautical elements and, you know, this kind of nebulous time. So maybe that's some room you could play in. It doesn't have to be exactly perfect, but knowing, you know, I don't, I don't remember which is starboard, which is the other one, <laughs> but I'm sure that's something you had to know. So can you just talk us through your writing process for writing this novel? Yeah, I, for the record, I, I don't remember which is which really now. <laughs> that information has flown out of my brain at this point in time. Um, yeah, I I started writing the I started writing the novel in around like 2020. So like a lot okay. of people, you know, a pandemic book. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but after being laid off, you know, um, mm. but I I generally like start with any idea as sort of like a, a, I start off with like a single scene that I grow from like a kernel. Um, and I know a lot of people do something similar or adjacent to that. Um, but bef I refuse before I start a book to not know what's going to happen at the end. Mm -hmm. um, I really, really wish I could be one of those writers who, uh, you know, sort of pokes around and Mm -hmm. tries out different angles of like how the book could end or you know what could happen towards the end but I I have to have that goalpost in mind in order for me to like feel psychologically comfortable okay <laughs> going towards the end of the book uh I need to feel safe mm. <laughs> um so I will usually I will usually start out with um sort of the visual idea of the scene for this book in particular. I, I began with the first and last scenes of the book. Like I knew how I wanted it to start. I knew how I wanted it to end. Um, and like in a lot of things, it was the middle that gave me the most trouble. So mm. I write I write chronologically for sure. Okay. Um, so I'll pull in a, a big long outline. Um, I, I think for projects subsequent to this, I've sort of dialed back a little bit of my mm -hmm. outlining tendencies um but for this one in particular I was very well like I, I outlined that pretty pretty hardcore because of the research um because even though it's fantasy I really wanted there to be a degree of you know a degree of like realism or believability I guess to it um so you can can ground some of the slightly more fantastical elements mm -hmm. um not that there are a ton, but there are just like diversions from our world that I need people to come along with me on. Sure. Um, so yeah, it was basically starting with sort of those bookends at the beginning and end and filling in as much as I could in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it took me about, you know, I think it was around like eight months total. I usually revise uh, quite a few drafts. So I think there was probably about like five-ish drafts total that we're done um but yeah that's that's sort of the process on this one um it's it's changed moving forward already like my process is already switched up a little bit i think gotta keep myself entertained <laughs> so for the outline you, you said massive can you kind of uh assign some sort of figure to that is this multiple <laughs> pages are you doing like note cards like how, what does an outline look like for you yeah, I so <laughs> my good friend makes fun of me. She's like, if you just wrote the pages that it took you to make an outline, you mm. would have half your book done already. Uh, not quite that, but it was about I'd say about like I think it was around like fifteen thousand words of outlining. Oh wow! Um, okay. So I really like to break down 
uh, like chapter by chapter. Again, this has already changed. Mm -hmm. This is already different. Um, but then uh, in revisions, I'll do uh, sort of a board with like note cards and move those sure. around physically and, you know, reorder scenes and make sure that everything chronologically makes sense. Um, that was important for this book because I had a full crew of whalers and people to keep track of mm. and <laughs> trying to make sure everyone was moving in the right places at the right time. Um, even though to my mind, the book is really centered on, you know, two people. Um, there are just a lot of subsequent players to keep track of, I feel, in this one. So yeah, that was that. <laughs> so you had a beginning scene and an ending scene. How uh true or how much of that made it into the final draft? Uh almost all of it, honestly. Wow. Very the the first line has been the same line from beginning to end. Um I the actual scenes itself remained really pretty much set in stone. Um, the at least that maybe not the full scenes, but like the the images at the beginning and end of okay. the of the novel for sure were very much the same from when they started. Okay. Um intrigued to see what you what what you have for us if uh if you would like to pique our interest by reading a, a passage from your forthcoming book sure um in that vein i have uh just the the beginning chapter um okay. all right so chapter one when the man was cut from the belly of the whale he was as soft and blood modeled as a stillborn calf Isaiah watched from the gunwales of the whale ship Merciful as Alvarez reached down with his pike and scored away at the flesh, and the body fell from the inner lining of the creature's muscled stomach and onto the water with nothing more than a muted splash, buoyed to float by the grease and viscera coating the wave caps. God's above and below, Bellamy said low under his breath. It was as strange as anything Isaiah had ever seen in his already considerably strange dreams. How did he, Fallon said, voice echoing up from where he sat in the skiff alongside the other members of the crew who were responsible for the fresh, fresh carcass. Isaiah flinched when the bony point of the man's cheek brushed against the whale's stomach lining. Unconscious, he floated on the surface, coated with a thin, iridescent layer of rusty blood mixed with fat. Haul him up, Lice, the quartermaster called down to the fore from in the hunting skiff. Line over port side, now. Uh, yeah, so that's the first couple paragraphs of the book. Wow, <laughs> very visual. I, I'm I'm picturing. I still don't know which port side is. So, <laughs> really, port side's right. <laughs> okay, knowing me, I'll be wrong. But uh, you know, <laughs> if you could do me a favor, can you talk to Matt and tell him to bring some copies to Ghoulish, so I can buy one there, if I... there are any available. I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> I appreciate the thought. <laughs> uh, he sold out last time. He did really well at Ghoulish. So um, I think yeah. I think there were a, uh, maybe one or two books that were kind of like they were coming out next month, but he had them there. So mm -hmm. um, I got, was it Agony's Lodestone when we were, I think I bought that there from him and read it. Um, all right. So you have a, a very, you know, diverse kind of history with your writing and there's some game stuff in there, um, graphic novels. Um, how do you define success as an author? Are you there yet? Or is it something, is there still something more to come? It's a loaded question. I know. <laughs> um, uh, I think that if you 
complete a project that you are excited about as a writer, you are a successful writer. Mm. Um, that's sort of what I try and tell people because too often I see people qualifying themselves as, you know, aspiring writers mm. or, you know, like, oh, I'm not published yet, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a writer. I'm like, no, if you've finished something, uh, if you've polished it to completion, if you've edited it, if you, you know, really put it through the ringer and done the best that you can, you are a successful writer. Um, I think that's my more general definition of success. I just, I see a lot of people specifically who are in any kind of like axis of like marginalization, um, mm -hmm. really not giving themselves the the banner of successful mm -hmm. under any circumstances. And I'm like, no, you did it. Congratulations. Um, but for me personally, I think, uh, I think success means having multiple projects out in multiple mediums that I can be proud of at any one time. Okay. Um, yeah. So getting there currently. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where you're always tougher on yourself than you are on other people, I think. Um, so, I, And I think the goalposts move, but it's it's um, refreshing or at least um, validating to maybe think of where you were 15 years ago, um, you know, with whatever that looks like for you. For me, I hadn't had a single thing published mm -hmm. and then just iteratively over time um, got published in some places that were probably scams just because, <laughs> you know, they're like, uh, you know, we're not paying and, but go ahead and buy 40 copies of this book and, and give it to your, your family. Um, I yeah. did that more than once. I'm going to slightly alter the next question for you. Um, sure. just because of how our, our conversation has progressed. So, um, what advice would you have liked to her have heard say, this is you as a, a teenager or, um, what advice, what do you know now that would have been meaningful for you to hear? at the beginning of your writing journey? Mm. Um, I think, hmm. I think I probably would have liked to hear, or it would have been useful for me to hear, um, to something along the lines of like, just do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I was younger, I made a lot of, excuses for myself in terms of like, well, if I, you know, do X, Y, Z number of drafts, right? If I have ABC number of, you know, hours of research under my belt, then I can do this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. um, I think as somebody who tends to over plan, I think it's always useful for me to cut to the chase anyway, and just, mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can't correct what's not there, right? Sure. In terms of drafts, in terms of whatever it is. Um, so yeah, just telling myself to like get on with it and giving myself permission to be a little bit messy at jump is definitely, definitely what I would have told myself. <laughs> you, you need to exercise those horrible stories that are, are in every young writer. You need to, to get those mm -hmm. on paper out in the world. Um, Cause I think that's the only way you improve. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would have told myself something um, very similar. Don't wait till you're 30 before you, you try to, um, you know, do anything meaningful with this talent of yours. Mm -hmm. All right. On to our, our rapid fire. So um, rapid fire doesn't mean you have to answer quickly. Um, it just means that I'm going to say them relatively quickly. All right. We talked a little bit about your, uh, your, your video game um, 
history. If you could only play one game for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh God. <laughs> um, oh, this is terrible. Um, I think the first Dishonored, Dishonored okay. 1. Fantastic game, stealth game. Uh, it's an uh, interesting storyline. You can play different ways of like, there's different ways of completing the storyline itself. Um, it's also a game that's really inspired like our entire studio uh, at Perfect Garbage. So that's that's the one I would have to pick, I think. You, you can dislike me for saying this, but I didn't, I played it for an hour and I just... It, I couldn't, didn't click with me for whatever reason. I know everybody loved it, but uh, <laughs> I think it's, mine. It's, it's like that with stealth games. I feel you either you either like it or you 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 bounce off it pretty hard. <laughs> um, I didn't really find joy playing video games until I played Horizon Zero Dawn. For it, oh. it'd probably been like fifteen years since I really loved a game until I played that one. Great. Um, game. What is your best one day word count total? If that's something that you track. Ooh. Uh... I did this thing with uh, my good friend son and my good friend Asia where we were doing like 10,000 words in a day. Um, I don't think I ever successfully got there, mm. but I think I got around like 7,000-ish, 8,000-ish in that ballpark. Um, it's always fun to try though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how much chair time is that? How how, much, how long does it take to write seven, 8,000 words? Uh, so I usually average around like about a thousand words an hour. Um, mm. so give or take, uh, I can do more, do less. Um, but I usually shoot for like the old, like, you know, Stephen King adage of like 2000 words a day. Um, mm. so I think it really depends on like in that day, usually if I'm doing something that's like that lengthy, I'll like, it'll be a weekend. I've set aside a whole mm -hmm. day. I don't have kids or pets or anything. I have that mm -hmm. luxury. Um, so I, I'll set aside a weekend day and just like bang it out for like eight hours and, you know, oh, wow. take one lunch break or whatever, you know, <laughs> stupid shit. Like I try not to do it so much anymore because I end up burnt out the next day, mm -hmm. but you know. <laughs> okay. Um, and you have also written for comics. Um, can you talk about the difference between writing comics and writing prose? I, I am a firm believer that every different type of writing is like a very different art form, even mm -hmm. though they use some of the very, some very similar skills. Um, so I think for comics, it's important. Uh, it's a, it's important to see it as a collaborative project first and foremost, instead of like, I am writing a comic and like an artist will just draw it. Like mm. that's, I think a lot of people who are in uh, the book world or in the short story world who don't know a lot about comics, maybe might make that mistake of thinking that way. Um, but I really like to go about it in a collaborative way from jump with uh, the artists who I work with. So um for Let Me Out is an amazing artist from the UK who's uh, George Williams, who's a fantastic dude, great friend of mine. And um, for that project, I had sort of the vague pitch and uh, some pages of script, but basically mm. I worked through the entire thing with him as we went through the process of like bringing it to my agent and pitching it to Oni Press and all that good stuff. So the process itself is going to be altered really drastically from the beginning based on whoever you're working with and throughout that you will make a better comic if you are committing to being fully collaborative in that way your panels will look better your uh your your bubbles will be more legible and concise mm -hmm. like just yeah i guess 
being a if you're if you're going into comics having written for books or for anything else like being a not being afraid to be a student and mm. seeking out resources that way too um it's the number one thing i would guess and correct me if i'm wrong but does some of the um the skill set of dialogue writing in comics carry over to some of your prose works because it's all dialogue i mean except for like the little meanwhile those mm. little yeah yeah, I would say for sure. Uh, generally, paying attention to dialogue in it pays off in comics as well as in games for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things that it's one of those like writers' toolkit elements that mm-hmm. will carry over across mediums, even though the actual act of putting together the full script or like a full section of the game is completely different for each thing. But yeah, totally awesome. Um, From the Belly comes out May through Tenebris Press. Um, Is there anything else you would like to announce or to get us excited about? Um, Other than that, uh, uh, check out Let Me Out, which is already out anywhere comics are sold. Um, If you are interested in games and interested in my games writing, uh, our studio is going to have a new game announced hopefully this summer. So... I'll be screaming about that from the rooftops when that happens as well. So yeah, that's the main things coming up for me. Well, awesome. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the book um, based off of, you know, the passage that you read, the the uh, synopsis um, sounds like it's complete, completely up my alley and a uh, perfect timing to get a, a whale story out there while people are still craving it. So um, Emmett, thank you so much for joining me on Dog-Eared Nightmares. Thanks so much. Emmett was a great guest, wasn't he? What is it about whales? What is it about whales and horror nowadays? Um, I don't know. They're just they're just having their moment. Um, Matt from Tenebris Press, if you're listening, please do save a copy, bring it to Ghoulish. Um, you, you could just print it directly off your computer, staple it together. Um, that's perfectly fine. Thank you, Emmett, for joining me to preview um, your forthcoming work from the belly. Um, as stated, that comes out May 2024 with Tenebris Press. <laughs>